sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. It's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm joined by Neil Shah, Director of Content and Strategy at Edison Group, as we look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. Where do you want to begin, Neil? I, th- I thought we'd talk about the UK market to start off with. And uh, I did a webinar to actually a, a Singaporean retail audience uh, with OCBC this week. Um, I also ended up talking to Alistair Unwin, who is a deputy PM of uh, the Polar Capital Technology Fund, and listened to Simon Gurgle's um, musings on the UK market. Um, and I, I, th- I just wanted to contextualise that, you know, the UK market it, it remains extremely attractively valued. And uh, that, I think, is something that we were trying to get across. When I looked at the UK PE, um, I think it's the lowest of all the developed markets apart from Italy. So cheaper than Japan, France, the US, um, Australia, Canada. So, you know, it is very attractively priced. And, you know, you're starting to see trade buyers coming in and, and buying out companies. So if, if people who, you know, operate in an industry are finding the assets cheap, there's another indication that, that um, it's attractively valued. I'd focus on, you know, Mars buying Hotel Chocolat, as an example. Mm-hmm. You've also had, um, you know, I think they've been rebuffed to the bids for uh, Music Magpie, um, sort of smaller end. Mm-hmm. I think that bid's gone away. I understood that Halford's um, also rebuffed a bid for its business. So, you, you know, it, it seems to be that that that, that mark, this market continues to be attractively priced. What's driving that? Well, I think, I think it was interesting talking to Alistair Unwin about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of flow of capital is going to the Magnificent Seven in the US. And you know, there's such compelling reasons to own these, you know, so-called natural monopoly technology businesses. Um, and those returns will keep going. I think they're going to be beneficiaries of, you know, the AI. And it, it was interesting talking to him about the fact that he was raising the bar for all the other smaller companies that he was looking at in terms of getting entry into the portfolio. So at some point that's got to stop, um, you know, because, you know, these businesses will will eventually get to either a valuation multiple that's too high or, and the, the, you know, the earnings growth won't be as good. And, and so what is happening is that there's quite a lot of work uh, within the institutional investment community about, you know, if they diversify, where they're going to put their money to work less. And these smaller companies, cheaper companies is where people are focusing them. So I think um, that seems to be an interesting area to, for us to take a look at in terms of, um, you know, don't give up hope. I think, uh, you know, Simon uh, Gurgle's f- phrase was, it's darkest before dawn. And uh, he pointed to the fact that we are seeing some extraordinary value in the UK market. And uh, hence, I think for those people who are interested in picking up securities at a sensible price, and bear in mind that the UK, you know, quite a lot of the UK's, let's say FTSE 100 earnings, actually 70% of it is abroad. So it's not around domestic mm. issues. You're buying global exposure at a much lower price um, seems to be an interesting sort of market look to look at. Okay, that's very interesting. Though, of course, yes, there are places to avoid as well as um, places that are attractive. And one must think of investment trusts as well, presumably, where, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're not just getting the discount on, on global assets, but you're getting a discount to those prices anyway. 
Indeed. And uh, I think, you know, are structured in a way that, you know, they're not forced to redeem the assets, um, you know, uh, or et cetera. So I think investment trusts are very attractively sort of positioned today. Um, UK exposed. If you've got a long term view, a three, five year view, mm. now is a good time to be looking. OK, um, let's pause just for a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. It's the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, where I'm talking to Neil Shaw of Edison Group. Um, what do you want to, to mention now, Neil? I thought we'd touch on NatWest um, because uh, tucked away in the autumn statement was the fact that the government, which owns a stake in NatWest, is planning to sell it down in the next 12 months. And uh, so I thought I'd put it on people's radar that, you know, at some point you are likely to find, um, you know, an offer uh, coming out to purchase the government's stake in that West. Um, Not being uh, one of its best investments. No, I mean, actually, it's, it. Uh, you know, it's cheap. Now, the, the main thing to, to sort of bring it across is that NatWest is, is you know, compared to a lot of banks, if you, particularly when you use international comparisons, it's very, very attractively priced. Now, of course, you've got to delve deeper as to why is that the case, right? So, Adam, Adam, you know, you know, at the basic level of the, you know, the way banks make money is that they take in deposits and then the cost for paying for those deposits and then they lend them out at a higher level, right? Um, and there's a certain, you know, what's the volume of that lending? Um, you saw this, the share price come off considerably after what was described as a weak Q3. Um, and what was driving that was actually the funding costs, uh, of, uh, of its, de- its deposits. So behind that is the fact that there is, um, quite a lot of its funding base is, it doesn't cost it anything. So at the back of the pandemic, um, the Bank of England sort of gave all these retail banks, uh, uh, you know, slugs of money to lend to SMEs at zero cost. Um, Compare, and there's a, there's a maturity to those. So, um, Lloyd's has about 30 billion of that funding. NatWest is smaller. It's about 12 billion. Um, but that funding has to be replaced. And I think from memory, it's about 4 million in 2024 and 8 million in 2025. And that, that, you know, you're replacing 0% cost to whatever the rate is today. Um, and that does have an implication on earnings. And part of that is what you saw in the sort of Q3 numbers, which is the funding costs were more expensive clue. Um, then you're going to expect to see that continuing. Um, they did outperform on the operating expense side. So that, you know, one of the stories around NetWest is that you should be able to see continued cost rationalization. Um, and particularly they're winding down Ulster Bank, which should add um, about one and a half to their one and a half percent of their return on capital when done. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, the mortgage market has sort of faced some headwinds. So in terms of, you know, are they lending more? Well, that's that, that was down around sort of 30 percent because interest rates have picked up and there's less activity in the mortgage market. In, interestingly, you know, now the inflation is coming down, it's the potential for that is uh, will be there to start reversing. So I guess what I wanted to do was signal to people some of the things that they ought to be looking for if they're thinking about an investment in that West. Um, it is, you know, it's on, it's on, uh, you tend to value banks on a, on a, 
price to tangible uh, assets basis and it's trading at 0.7 times so if you think you know they're generating a return on capital of 30 and a half 14 percent and their cost of equity is 10 percent it should typically trade at a higher level than than 0.7 times uh, price of tangible book so um my sense is that you know it, the government will put its stake up for sale perhaps it will put it, uh, it up with a, a, a discount uh which might make it attractive with i guess i wanted to signal the the tools that an investor might want to mm. A lens which with the investor might want to look at. And then the final thing, of course, you can't avoid the governance issue, which is, you know, you've had this high profile issue around Nigel Farage and his bank accounts and, um, the, you know, the, the, the CEO stepping down. Uh, the interim CEO actually is, is, you know, we really like. I think he's, he's, you know, from, from the business is very sensible and straightforward and, uh, you know, could be, you know, actually a catalyst for, uh, more investors buying into the bank. And of course, you know, I forget what part of the reason I think for the, the, the discount is the fact that there is this overhang of the government owning a stake. And when you take that out, maybe you will start it to see it moving back to a more normal level. So yes, please do take a look at that West. Um, and something to put on your radar as and when the government chooses to sell its stake. Thank you very much indeed, Neil. That's uh, Neil Shah, Director of Content and Strategy at Edison Group. He'll be back with me in a fortnight's time in the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. It's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm joined by Neil Shah, Director of Content and Strategy at Edison Group, as we look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. Where do you want to begin, Neil? I, th- I thought we'd talk about the UK market to start off with. And uh, I did a webinar to actually uh, a Singaporean retail audience uh, with OCBC this week. Um, I also ended up talking to Alistair Unwin, who is the deputy PM of uh, the Polar Capital Technology Fund, and listened to Simon Gurgle's um, musings on the UK market. Um, and I, I, th- I just wanted to contextualise that, you know, the UK market it, it remains extremely attractively valued. And uh, that, I think, is something that we were trying to get across. When I looked at the UK PE, um, I think it's the lowest of all the developed markets apart from Italy. So cheaper than Japan, France, the US, um, Australia, Canada. So, you know, it is very attractively priced. And, you know, you're starting to see trade buyers coming in and, and buying out companies. So if, if people who, you know, operate in an industry are finding the assets cheap, there's another indication that, that 
Um, it's attractively valued. I'd focus on, you know, Mars buying Hotel Chocolat, as an example. You've also had, um, you know, I think they've been rebuffed the bids for uh, Music Magpie, um, sort of small rent. I think that bid's gone away. I understood that Halford's um, also rebuffed a bid for its business. So, you, you know, it, it seems to be that that that, that mar- this market continues to be attractively priced. What's driving that? Well, I think, I think it was interesting talking to Alistair Unwin about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of flow of capital is going to the Magnificent Seven in the US. And you know, there's such compelling reasons to own these, you know, so-called natural monopoly technology businesses. Um, and those returns will keep going. I think they're going to be beneficiaries of, you know, the AI. And it, it was interesting talking to him about the fact that he was raising the bar for all the other smaller companies that he was looking at in terms of getting entry into the portfolio. So at some point that's got to stop, um, you know, because, you know, these businesses will will eventually get to either a valuation multiple that's too high or, and that you know, the earnings growth won't be as good. And, and so what is happening is that there's quite a lot of work uh, within the institutional investment community about, you know, if they diversify, where they're going to put their money to work less. And these smaller companies, cheaper companies is where people are focusing them. So I think um, that seems to be an interesting area to, for us to take a look at in terms of, um, you know, don't give up hope. I think, uh, you know, Simon uh, Gurgle's f- phrase was, it's darkest before dawn. And uh, he pointed to the fact that we are seeing some extraordinary value in the UK market. And uh, hence, I think for those people who are interested in picking up securities at a sensible price, and bear in mind that the UK, you know, quite a lot of the UK's, that's their FTSE 100 earnings, actually 70% of it is abroad. So it's not around domestic mm. issues. You're buying global exposure at a much lower price um, seems to be an interesting sort of market look to look at. Okay, that's very interesting. Though, of course, yes, there are places to avoid as well as um, places that are attractive. And one must think of investment trusts as well, presumably, where, um, you know, you're you're not just getting the discount on, on global assets, but you're getting a discount to those prices anyway. Indeed. And uh, I think, you know, are structured in a way that, you know, they're not forced to redeem the assets, um, you know, uh, or et cetera. So I think investment trusts are very attractively sort of positioned today, um, UK exposed. If you've got a long term view, a three, five year view, mm. now is a good time to be looking. OK, um, let's pause just for a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. It's the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, where I'm talking to Neil Shah of Edison Group. Um, what do you want to, to mention now, Neil? I thought we'd touch on NatWest um, because uh, tucked away in the autumn statement was the fact that the government, which owns a stake in NatWest, is planning to sell it down in the next 12 months. And uh, so I thought I'd put it on people's radar that, you know, at some point you are likely to find, um, you know, an offer 
coming out to purchase the government's stake in NatWest. Um, Not being uh, one of its best investments. No, I mean, actually, it's, it, uh, you know, it's cheap. Now, the, the main thing to, to sort of bring it across is that NatWest is, is you know, compared to a lot of banks, if you, particularly when you use international comparisons, it's very, very attractively priced. Now, of course, you've got to delve deeper as to why is that the case, right? So, at a, at a, you know, you know at the basic level if the, you know, the way banks make money is that they take in deposits and then the cost for paying for those deposits and then they lend them out at a higher level, right? Um, and there's a certain, you know, what's the volume of that lending? Um, you saw this, the share price come off considerably after what was described as a weak Q3. Um, and what was driving that was actually the funding costs, uh, of, uh, of its, de- its deposits. So behind that is the fact that there is, um, quite a lot of its funding base is, it doesn't cost it anything. So at the back of the pandemic, um, the Bank of England sort of gave all these retail banks, uh, uh, you know, slugs of money to lend to SMEs at zero cost. Um, Compare, and there's a there's a maturity to those. So um, Lloyd's has about thirty billion of that funding. NatWest is smaller; it's about twelve billion. Um, but that funding has to be replaced, and I think for memory, it's about four million in 2024 and eight million in 2025. And that, that you know, you're replacing zero percent cost to whatever the rate is today. Um, and that does have an implication on earnings. And part of that is what you saw in the sort of Q3 numbers, which is the funding costs were more expensive clue. Um, then you're going to expect to see that continuing. Um, they did outperform on the operating expense side. So that, you know, one of the stories around NetWest is that you should be able to see continued cost rationalization. Um, and particularly they're winding down Ulster Bank, which should add um, about one and a half to their one and a half percent of their return on capital went down. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, the mortgage market has sort of faced some headwinds. So in terms of, you know, are they lending more? Well, that's that, that was down around sort of 30 percent because interest rates have picked up and there's less activity in the mortgage market. In, interestingly, you know, now the inflation is coming down, I, it's the potential for that is uh, will be there to start reversing. So I guess what I wanted to do was signal to people some of the things that they ought to be looking for if they're thinking about an investment in that West. Um, it is, you know, it's on, it's on, uh, you tend to value banks on a, on a price to tangible uh, assets basis and it's trading at 0.7 times. So if you think, you know, they're generating a return on capital of, 30 and a half, 14 percent, and their cost of equity is 10 percent. It should typically trade at a higher level than than 0.7 times uh, price of tangible book. So, um, my sense is that you know it, the government will put its stake up for sale. Perhaps it will put it, uh, it up with a, a, a discount, uh, which might make it attractive. With I guess I wanted to signal the the tools that an investor might want to. Mm a lens which the investor might want to look at. And then the final thing, of course, you can't avoid the governance issue, which is, you know, you've had this high-profile issue around Nigel Farage and his bank accounts and, um, you know, the, the, the CEO stepping down. 
Uh, the interim CEO actually is is you know we really like. I think he's he's you know from from the business is very sensible and straightforward, and uh, you know could be you know actually a catalyst for uh, more investors buying into the bank. And of course, you know, I forget what part of the reason I think for the the. The discount is the fact that there is this overhang of the government owning a stake. And when you take that out, maybe you'll start it to see it moving back to a more normal level. So, yes, please do take a look at NatWest. Um, something to put on your radar as and when the government chooses to sell its stake. Thank you very much indeed, Neil. That's uh, Neil Shah, Director of Content and Strategy at Edison Group. He'll be back with me in a fortnight's time in the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. <laughs> Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.